Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Good. I'm not sure, Tony. I'm not that sure about that in this country. Good. Um, we are uh, on our journey of looking at uh, the six practices. We're doing this under the umbrella of um, following Jesus in all of life, which is uh, so important. If you've got your Bible, I'd love you to turn to Matthew 6. Matthew 6, look it up on your phone or um, bring your Bible. It'd be really, really good to do that and underline and write little notes and dates and stuff like that there. I've been encouraging you to do that over the last months. Um, Matthew 6, verse 5 says, And when you pray, notice the when. It doesn't say if you pray. It says when you pray. There's actually three little whens that are important in Matthew 6. It says when you pray, when you give, and when you fast. No ifs, just whens. All right? You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into the room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you, who sees in secret, it says, will reward you. And when you pray, again, there we go, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray this, pray then like this, our Father. And He gives this pattern, this method of prayer. He says, our Father, it's not the prayer that He wants you to pray all the time necessarily. It's not wrong to pray it. It's a great prayer. But he's given you a pattern. He's saying, when you pray, pray this way. Pray in this order. Pray, our Father, invite God into your, into your, into your communication. And then lift his name up and exhort it. And it says, hallowed be your name. And then your kingdom come, your will be done. Inviting God into the mix. And then looking at our um, earthly things. Uh, said, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we... Um, also forgiven our debtors, and let us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And he says, "For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses." Very powerful scripture. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for how you've taught us to live how you've taught us to pray, how you've taught us to seek you at all times. So, God, we ask that you would help us to honor your word right now and bless it to us in Jesus' name. We're looking at the first one um, called prayer and worship. I put it in the board, so keep it before your eyes. If not, if you want to look at the board, you can just look right at the wall and you'll get it number one on the wall. But prayer and worship is the first of our practices that we're going to be going through. And of course, prayer and worship were a priority in the life of Jesus. These six things we took from the life of Jesus in the Gospels. And so if you want to look at times where 
that it, it mentions in the Bible when Jesus went to pray, and there's too many for me to quote Matthew 14, 23, Mark 6, 46, Luke 6, 12, Mark 1, 35, Luke 9, 18, or just but a few, etc., etc., etc. And so the best place to think about how to live a life of prayer is to start with the prayer that Jesus taught us, this how, this method that we just read. Because prayer is intimacy with God. Because right from the beginning, we know that God came down in the cool of the day and walked with Adam. So God has always wanted to be in that communicative style with man. The fall, of course, prevented that. But he has always intended, he has always wanted to commune with man. And so the Lord's prayer begins with our Father, not not, 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 my, not Jesus' Father, but our Father. We can actually, we are invited into this, this Abba thing, this, this Daddy God mix is beautiful. And so Jesus walked fully around in the Father. On one occasion, he said, he that has seen me has seen the Father also. And we know at Jesus' baptism that the Father announced, you're my son, whom I love and I'm well pleased in you. I often think of all the things God could have told Jesus at that moment. He told him about his sonship and about his identity, and he assured him of his love, and he does the same with us today. And so this journey of how to abide, there's a, there's a great chapter in John 15 that I haven't time to go into today, but that actually talks about this abiding presence, how you can abide in the presence of God and how he can abide in your heart. So it's really, really important that we understand this. Now, there's a verse on the screen, a couple of verses on the screen that I want to unpack for you a little bit as we go into this process, because I want to talk to you about the survey, all right? Um, it's really important because there's no, the, the survey is great in that it sort of gives us an idea on, on, on where people are maybe struggling in their prayer life. And this is what Paul writes to Timothy. This is near the end of Paul's life. And he says, I urge uh, you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good, pleases God, our Father, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This guy is called Matt Amons, right? Um, the year is 2004, and it's the Olympic Games in Athens. They were held in Athens. He was, um, Ur, he was uh, the Ur Rifle Champion. And um, uh, at, the, at the last, at the very last of the games, um, in the final shootout, he was 7.5 um, points ahead. And all he had to do, all he had to do to win the gold medal was just hit the target. <laughs> he didn't need a good score. Any score would do him. He was, that's how far he was ahead. And so he steadied, he aimed to tell us that these guys, these guys learn how to shoot between heartbeat. <laughs> that's how... That's how precise it is. They learn how to shoot between their heartbeat. And so he steadies, he aims, um, and he fires, and he hit the bullseye. Smack in the middle. of the, Didn't need to, but hit smack in the middle. He's ecstatic. He's, he's, he's thinking, wow, this is so good. He's won the gold medal. But he notices confusion up around the, the target area, and he noticed that the judges, there's a bit of consternation 
amongst the judges. And then one of the judges turns around and holds up a zero. And he goes to find out what happened. And when he walks down, he finds that he hit the wrong target. He crossed the lane and got disqualified from the games. Hence, he's here with his wife, very distraught, as you would be. Interesting, isn't it, that we sometimes can be shooting our best shots. We can be aiming our best aim, but firing at the wrong targets. And life can be a bit like that. We live in a nation that seems that the society we live in more and more are anti-Christian by the day. We live in a society that declares wrong is right and right is wrong, a society that are shooting at the wrong target. This nation that we live in, in some shape or form, almost are, are anti-God in some shape or form, or at least they think he's irrelevant. And so how do we live for God in a confused and in a confusing world? That's a big question. And Paul, in his advice to young Timothy, deals with one area where we can impact all people in the world. And it's the impact of prayer. It's the bullseye, if you please. It's the bullseye. And it's an area of Christian activity where we have power to show Christ to a lost world and change society. And I'm talking about the area of prayer and worship. And I don't think it's ever more prevalent than it is at this moment. I think our vision being only Jesus this year is, is very powerful. And I think prayer and worship is, 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 is an, of utmost importance. And Paul, when he writes to young Timothy, he urges him in the first chapter to remain faithful to the call and to the faith in Ephesus. And then in the second chapter, the one that we've read, he, he starts to talk to him about giving priority to this thing called prayer and worship. Now, the results of the survey were really, really interesting. I have all the survey here. And... Um, uh, how often do you pray? Well, around um, just shy of 60% of people who done the survey, 205 people, I think, did the survey. Um, there, there's about 68% of you say you pray several times a day. There's about 21% say once a day. Um, there are about 15% who say several times a week. And there are some, a little percentage, who say never Interesting, isn't it? Um, this one shocked me. Now, there's a couple of little things uh, about the survey that are interesting. I haven't time to go through it all in detail, but um, only 12% of people hear God in worship. About 50% of you said that you hear God from the Word, which is really, really good. Only about 12% said you really connect with God in worship. 50% of people who done the survey said busyness was the biggest thing that took you away from your prayer life. And about 25 or 28% said social media was the biggest robber of your prayer life. Interesting, isn't it? These are your figures. These aren't mine. All right? The biggest shock that I got was this one. The biggest shock was that 70% um, of people, when asked, do you have a dedicated time and place to pray, 70% of you said no. Only 30% said yes. Interesting. Really, really interesting. And that, that's what I want to focus on today. A place and a time. A place 
and a time. Paul says this. He says, Timothy, I urge you first of all. That means first in order, in rank of importance. Paul tells us that the first priority of the church and of our personal life should be prayer. So it shouldn't be a filler. It shouldn't be thrown in just to do between songs or something like that, the hymn prayer, hymn sandwich that some of us grew up with. This is why the corporate prayer time is so, so important. When it came to the corporate prayer time, there were so many, I'll look it up after, but there were so many of you said you never come to the corporate prayer time. But it's so important that we gather together, but it's so important that you pray personally. This is a call to pray. And so Billy Graham said there are three secrets to successful ministry, and they're prayer, prayer, and more prayer. And we, if we're going to be the people that God wants us to be, if we're going to be the church that rises up and, and goes against the society today and the culture that's fast changing, then I'm going to say we need to put a greater emphasis on our prayer lives, both corporate and individual. We need to determine that here at Emmanuel, first of all, first of all, we will be a place that pray. All right? Now, Paul uses four words in his passage to describe the total scope of prayer. All four are related. But each of them, I looked them all up in the Greek, and each of them has a different shade of meaning, and we can learn something from them all. He talks about petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving. So let's look at them really quickly. The first one, petitions. Petitions, all right? Making requests, sharing our needs with God. Here's what uh, Paul again writes in the book of Philippians, and he says, don't be anxious about anything. In a world that's riddled with anxiety, in a society that's riddled with anxiety and antidepressive pills, all right, he said, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He refers to prayers focused on special needs, this idea of bringing the deep, intense burden to the Lord. That's what it's doing. And we have needs in our own lives, and we can see the needs in others' lives, and we need to be moved by these needs and bring them to the throne of grace and petition God on behalf. I love this verse. Again, the writer to the Hebrews says this, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. That word confidence, if you look it up, means a divine right. Isn't amazing that we can come right into the throne room of God with a divine right to be there. We don't need to hang our head in shame. We can go in as a divine right so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Second one is this word prayers. Now, this is an interesting word. This word, I'm not going to try and pronounce it in the Greek, but actually one of the renderings of this verse is finding a place. Finding a place, when you look it up in the Greek, right? And this is an act of worship that should accompany prayer. This word calls to mind those times that we set aside to come into the presence of the Lord and to worship Him, just to spend time at His feet. I've referenced here Luke 10, 39, where Mary just came and sat at His feet while Martha's busy and, and rushing about. Mary just wanted to sit at the feet of the Master. There needs to be those times, those prayers, where every individual in some shape or form have time to go before the Lord without distraction, without hurry. We just need to spend time loving Him. Public, per, public prayer is no substitute for private 
for private worship and private prayer. So it's not, you don't just come to the prayer meeting. That's really important, but there's something. We need to eradicate hurry from our lives and get into the presence of God and hear His voice. The second, and the next one, the, the third one was intercession, petition, prayers, and intercession. Now, again, I'm not going to try and pronounce the Greek word of this, but it means this is taking the needs of others to another level before the Lord. When you intercede, you're taking something to another level. This refers to bold praying on behalf of others. Jesus is our intercessor. We're told that in 1 Timothy 2. And we're also told that there's one God and one mediator between God and man. And Jesus is our intercessor. He stands in the gap for us. And so we can, there's loads of scriptures that I could tell you about that. And Moses is a great example where whenever God goes to destroy the people and, and Moses intercedes on their behalf, he stands between God and the people and intercedes on their behalf. This is a very powerful thing to do. This is what happens when we've been, Al's been talking to us over the last um, number of evenings, Sunday evenings, about revival. Revival will take intercession. You need to stand for revival, standing in the gap, which is a very powerful thing to do. And we pray in faith. I love that verse in Hebrews 11, 1. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. All right, so you're, you're praying stuff into being. You're praying things that you can't even see. You're praying things that haven't come yet, but you're praying them and seeing them as if they are. So faith is not believing that God can. Faith is believing that God will. All right, so it's this, this is a, a very powerful way to pray, uh, to pray. And then the fourth one is thanksgiving. All right, a spirit of gratitude. No prayer is complete unless we spend some time thanking God. That's so important. I often use the little ACTS um, acronym when I'm praying. So you have A-C-T-S, which is, I was saved through Acts 16.31. So it's a, I, I love this. So A is your adoration. All right, C is your confession. T is your thanksgiving. And S is your supplication. And so I've always used that little acronym um, when I've prayed through my life. So thanksgiving is really important, and we should thank Him for hearing us when we pray. Because when you, when you talk to God, God hears. This is the most, He, 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 is that, he inclines His ear, the Bible says to us. And that, that has the connotation of a forward lean. You know when someone inclines to hear, when they lean forward into your space to hear you? That's what it's saying about God. Now, um, Let's talk a little bit about who to pray for. Because some people say to me, uh, and, 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 and this, this, this survey shows this really clear. Some people say to me, I'm not really sure what to pray for. This looking through some of the comments. Not really dead sure who to pray for or how to pray. Well, here the, the Bible says, pray for everybody. Pray for everybody. I was walking around the park last night, and I kept bumping into people and, and chatting to people and um, and I, I, some, some faces that I'm looking at right now, God placed in my heart as I walked last night. I was trying to read my notes and get my sort of 
head round things, and your faces kept popping into my head because God obviously wanted me to pray for you. And so you pray for all people, for kings and for those who are in authority. So Paul makes this really clear. There's no one in the world that we can't pray for that's beyond the prayers of God's people. And he specifically mentions those people who are in authority for family, friends, neighbors. But let's not forget to pray for our leaders. We desperately need to do that. And when Paul wrote this, Nero was the emperor, and Nero was a head case. He was a murderer. He murdered his own mother. He murdered, murdered his brothers because they were getting in his road of power. They tell us that Nero, what he did with the Christians was he dipped their bodies in wax and burned them. He, he lit them and burned them like a, a candle at, at his wild parties. This is the man who was this is the man who was in control when Paul actually penned this. So there's a message for the church today. Even though we don't agree with the policies of the people who lead us, it doesn't mean we shouldn't pray for them. He can overrule a wicked leader. There's not a leader, it's not the first time he's overruled and made a, a wicked leader make a right decision. And so we need to understand that because there are many serious and far-reaching decisions that must be made by the leaders of our country, and we should be continually making intercession for them before the throne. A couple of little things that I want to say to you about this, because this is really important. Because it showed me in the survey that I think the thing that I got from the survey is that I don't think you need to be taught how to pray as much as the absolute necessity and why you should pray. And here's a couple of little things as we bring this, um, try to land this. Prayer accomplishes something in your life. A couple of things that I want to show you, right? Here's what it says. It says that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Now, the Bible describes both that which is accomplished outside of us because prayer makes us um, gives us a quiet and peaceable life. So that's talking about the stuff that's outside you, all right? So that's, and that's important. But what I want to talk to you about for a moment or two is the thing that happens inside your life, because that's what's really important. And something happens. So peaceful and quiet lives is talking about outside. Godliness and holiness is talking about what happens in you. And I want to finish off today by telling you what happens in you when you become a man and a woman of prayer. Here's what happens, all right? Now, the two words used to describe this inner transformation produced by prayer, the, the authorized uses the word reference uh, or, or um, reverence instead of holiness, but they're, they're difficult to find exact meanings for in English. When I started to study these two words, it was a bit difficult to find words for them. The word translated godliness, here it is, the word translated godliness it means to live knowing what is required in your life with respect to God, with respect to your fellow man, and with respect to other people. That's what godliness means. Isn't that amazing? All right? So, and that, of course, can only come through a life that's bathed in prayer. This thing, holiness or reverence, and whatever Bible you're reading will use either of those two words, means the kind of life that gives a kind of a graceful dignity, but a powerful authority. And that's a bit of an oxymoron. Imagine having a, a life of graceful dignity, but that, you know when people walk into the room and you know that they're carrying something? 
I don't want to embarrass David, but I'm, I'm catching David down there, David Leg, And David carries that for me. I was thinking about you last night, David, when I was prepping this. I was thinking uh, uh, a graceful dignity, but you carry a powerful authority. And that, that only comes through a life bathed in prayer. Now, I was in India in 06. I, I've never seen as many people in one street in all my life. I was in Hyderabad, and there's buses with people sitting on the roof. They're hanging off the side. The buses actually don't stop. People just jump on and off. They go slow enough that people jump on and off. There was lorries. There was cars. There's no lines in the road. They're just this madness. The driving over there is incredibly insane. And, uh, of course, in the middle of all that, with vans, lorries, cars, buses, trams, all of that, these little scooters running about, that you, little taxi scooters running about that are nipping in and out of the traffic. And then in the middle of all that, the water buffaloes walking about all over because they, be- they, they believe that that could be their granny. And um, it's just what they believe. And so they're, they're, they're sacred animals, and they're walking through the middle of all this. It was madness. And um, and to be, be quite honest, I was there two weeks. It felt like two months. I knew we're promoting people to go to India. I just, I'm a home bird. And, 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 and I never felt as far from home in all my life. Honestly, it was, uh, but you know what? In India, there was a thing called the British Embassy. <laughs> and when you walk into the British Embassy, I was shocked because you know what you find in the British Embassy? British people. Here in the middle of India, we're, we're British people. And when you go into the, the, the British embassy, British rules apply in India. British rules apply. It's British soil, but it's in, in India. It's a part of Britain, but it's in India. And if you get this quicker, we'll be, get home quicker. All right? Um, you hear where I'm going? So, so kingdom theology means even though you're in this world, we now belong to another world. And so while I'm standing in the British embassy, I'm in India, but I'm in British rule with all the British rights. When you stand as a believer in kingdom authority, we become, we become ambassadors from another world. And the church has lost that idea. The church has lost this idea. They, they, they live in this world and they live of this world. The Bible says we should be in this world, but not of this world because we're from another world. And so, um, that's that's what it means when we pray this great prayer, your kingdom come and be on earth as it is in heaven. It's catching the lapels of another kingdom and pulling it to us. And that will only happen when your prayer life is in sync. That will only happen when your prayer life's in sync. But what happens is we, we flitter away to every other thing and to every other name and to every other person, and we forget that we can stand on. I don't want to stand before God. One day, God said, Phil, it was a great life, just it was the wrong target. It was a great shot, and it was a great aim, but it was just, it was just the, wrong, it was the wrong target. And sometimes our life can just be full of so many wrong things, and we live in a world that's thin on humility. And humility is a key. Now, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. Humility is thinking about yourself less. And the church needs humility. We live in a world of selfies and selfie sticks, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, and God knows how many more social platforms that are all saying, me, me, me. (laughs) All different ways to capture me. 
Jesus says, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about him. Surrender is the key. Stop taking selfies, Jesus says, and take up your cross and follow him. When we surrender into this, because Jesus has sent to us today, he didn't die for us to display our glory. He died for him to display his glory. And so there's something about this. So here's what we're going to do. Adrian's going to come up, finish us with a song. Um, and here's my little challenge for you. Psychologists tell us that by and large, um, Laurie and I were talking about this last night, that by and large, um, all of us here are probably exactly where we were five years ago. Now, you're just a little bit older, but in your thought patterns, you're probably somewhere similar to where you were five years ago. And psychologists also tell us that if you don't act on information within 24 to 48 hours, it's just the seed that has fallen by the west side, and it just gets blown away. So if you think this is just a nice wee sermon that Phil spent a few hours trying to put together, it'll just flitter away. But if you allow it to change your life, and here's my challenge. Tomorrow ends September. 30 days have September. So tomorrow ends it, all right? And I'm hearing on the radio all the time about sober October. I heard this morning on the way in about the, uh, they're encouraging you to stop smoking in October. So all of a health drive in October. What about a soul cleanse? What about a soul cleanse? What about... What about for one month, for the next 30 days, starting tomorrow, right, or starting today even, that you set aside a place and a time to meet with God? And what I'd love you to do, if you're with me in this, I'd love you to ask someone to keep you to an account. I'd ask if you're in life group, that you ask your life group about your time and place. Are you, would you do that with me? Would you? Yeah? Well? Come on, come on, raise your hand if you're in for it. Come on, come on. Let's do it. 30 days, 30 days, asking someone to hold you to account about your time and your place. Can I say something to you? I pray on the hop like you all. It's a good thing to do. Pray in the car, just don't close your eyes. Good thing to do. Pray when you're walking around the park. And, and as I pray on the hop like that, I do get promptings from God. But never once can I remember, I was racking my head this week to, to, to think, was there ever a time that God give me a big directional thing on the hop? And I can't remember ever one. 60 years, I can't remember ever one. Every time God has spoken to me about a directional matter, it's been in my place and it's been at that specific time. Every single time every single time. And one of the questions was about hearing God. Some of you said, I think it was something like 25% said, you hear God maybe once a week. Some loads of people said they never hear God. And can I suggest to you that you never hear God on the hop? You'll never hear him praying frivolous prayers as you're driving the car. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with praying driving the car. Nothing wrong with that at all. But if there's not that moment, do you hear me? So one month, all right? Okay, let's, uh, let's worship together. We're going to sing all hail the Lamb. I'd love us to sing this as our closing prayer. Let's stand together. I'd love us to sing this. Um, all hail the Lamb, enthroned on high. Let's, let's make it to 30 days. Because I'm telling you this. I'm telling you this. 
these next 30 days will change your life. And if it doesn't, I'll give you a tenner. Now, I'm going to get in trouble for that. But I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. If you do it, get somebody to hold you account. It will change your life. And you will never go back from it. You will never go back from it. So 30 days to do it. All right? Sober October or whatever they call it. We're going to do it. All right? Let's, let's worship together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.